Good evening, everyone. This is Mr. McMillan. As promised, I said I would talk about numbers, what numbers meant in the Bible. And so today we're going to start with our numbers, and then I will move on to the months. And I have a little extra surprise towards the end. So, let's get started. Okay. So, number one represents God. is also his forgiveness of all the errors made by mankind. It is the connection of God and his son, Jesus, with a one-of-a-kind sacrifice and kindness it's also the kingdom. Okay. For those of you who haven't already, it'd be nice to get a pen and paper, maybe to jot some of this down so that when you're reading, it'll help you to get a better understanding of some of the things that you're reading in the scripture, especially when you see the numbers come up. It'll give you some idea of what that scripture pertains to. Okay, number two represents duality, witness, union, separation, and division. Number three represents God, which is the Trinity, uh, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and eternal life. Number four represents creation. Earth, air, fire, and water. Number five. Number five is God's grace. God's favor to mankind. Okay, and number six. Represents man... And imperfection, imperfection like our sin and our weaknesses. Number seven. Seven is completion and perfection, which I went over that earlier this week um, when we were reading uh, the last lesson uh, with... Uh, Um, I think it was Rebecca and Leah and Jacob. Number eight, it represents completion, constant flow of energy and power, stability, balance, and it's also new beginnings. Nine represents the fruits of the spirit. It also represents destruction and finality, judgment, and the complete cycle of growth. Number 10 represents completeness of divine order, creation, creator and creation, law, responsibility, 
testimony. God and the kingdom, obedience, power, and strength. Number 11 represents authority, leadership, positive thinking, optimism. Number 12. Number 12 represents God's will and power and wholeness. Number 13. 13 represents rebellion and lawlessness. Number 14. 14 is deliverance, salvation, and double completion. Number 15. 15 represents healing and rest. 16. 16 represents love. 17. 17 represents power to overcome or to go through unity with God. 18. Number 18 represents bondage. Number 19, divine order and God's judgment. Number 20, 20 is the cycle of completeness, reward, trial period of waiting. Number 21, Number 21 represents the new cycle of disbelief and action against God, selfishness and hypocrisy, false love of God. Number 22. Number 22 represents chaos, destruction, Double imposition power. Double imposition and power, excuse me. Okay, that's 22. 23 represents used in connection to women. So usually when you see the number 23, it's usually uh, something having to do with women. Good or bad. 42. It represents coming of the Antichrist. It also represents offending and trials, uh, trials and evil deeds. 44. 44 represents completeness and ending. Okay, let's skip back a little bit. Number 25, again, is God's grace and forgiveness. Number 28 is represents the Lamb, the Lamb of God. It also represents hallelujah. 29. 
29 represents the righteous. 30. 30 represents maturity and loyalty, true dedication, and grief. 31. 31 usually represents Moses and Rebecca. 33 represents Amen and the Star of David and God's promise. Okay, back to 42, the coming of the Antichrist, offending trials plus evil deeds. And last of all, um, next to last of all, is 50, which represents the Holy Spirit and freedom. And then the last one is 1,000, which represents readiness to stand, uh, readiness to withstand the obstacles to oppose evil temptations. Okay, so those are all the numbers listed in the Bible. Next, I'm going to go over the months, the Hebrew calendar months. Some are listed under the old Hebrew name, and some are listed under the Babylonian name. So the first month has two names. The Hebrew name is Aviv, and the Babylonian name is Nizan. Okay, that's usually March and April, which is the first month of the year. And the Passover is usually in those two months. It also has in that month, uh, thirty days in March, and twenty nine days for April under the Hebrew calendar. Uh, second month is Siv by the Hebrew name and Layar by the Babylonian name is April, which we know April has 29 days. And for May, there's 30 days. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um... Now, the, the name uh, Sieve means radiance. Uh, and it says this month 
it's referred to as the month of healing. That's interesting. So the month of April to May is the month of healing. The next month is May to June, and it's under the Babylonian name Sivan. And May has 30 days. And June has 30 days. The next one, okay, in the month of Sivan is Pentecost. It's the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. Then you have the fourth month, Tamaz, also under the Babylonian name, June and July. And there are 30 days in June and 29 days in July. The next one is Av, under the Babylonian name, which is July and August. So again, July has 29 days and August has 30. Okay, the next one is Etul, which is August and September. Okay. August has 30 days, September has 29. The next one is Etim or Tisri. It, uh, Etam, Etam is the Hebrew name. Tizari is the Babylonian name. Uh, September and October, which September has 29 days, October has 30 days. Um, and in this month usually is the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, the next month is also listed under the Hebrew name Bull or under the Babylonian name Shivan. And it's October, November, 30 days in October, 30 days in November. The next, uh, the next one is, um, just live, just live. November to December. November is 30 days and December is 29. The next one is Tibet which is December to January, and December is 29, and January is 30. Okay. The next one is Shabbat, January, February. January is 30 days, February is 29. And the last one is Adah, which is February to March, and 
February is 30, uh, February, I'm sorry, that February is 29 days, and March is 30. Now, Adar has Adar 2, which is the leap year, which has 29 days. Okay? So, there are your names. Nizan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz, Av, Elu, Tezuri, Shivan, Tevet, Shivet, Ada, and Ada too. Okay? And those, by the way, are the Babylonian names. I didn't, uh, the Hebrew names I gave you earlier. Okay. If anyone would like a list of those, again, you can reach me at my, uh, you can get me on my email address, which is uh, at the end of the program. I will give it to you. Okay. Um, Sunday. Now, it's interesting. We say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In the uh, original uh, Hebrew week, they did not have those days. <laughs> they just num numbered the days, day one, two, three, four, five, until they got to Saturday. And Saturday really wasn't called Saturday. It was called Shabbat. Okay, so the name for Sunday or the first day is Yom Rishun. Y-O-M, then capital R-E-E-S-H-O-N-E. -E. The second day is Yom Shain. Y-O-M, capital S-H-A-Y-N-E-E. -E. The third day or Tuesday is Yom Shalishi. Y-O-M, S-H-E, uh, sorry, S-H-L-E-E, -E, then S-H-E-E. -E. The fourth day, our Wednesday, is called Yum Rivi E. So it's Y O M R E V E E. Y O M R E V E E E E. The fifth day, which is Thursday, is Yum Kamishi. Y-O-M-K-H-A-H-M-E-E-S-H-E-E. -E -E. The sixth day, which is Friday, is Yum Shi Shi. Y-O-M-S-H-E-E-S-H-E-E. -E -E -E. And then, Saturday, or the seventh day, is Shabbat. S-H-A-B-B-A-T. Okay. Now, the original uh, Greek manuscript shows many, uh, many things in it, of course, about the Bible. But one of the most interesting things that uh, was seen was that in the English translation... The Greek name Shabbato is Shabbat. 
And if you uh, start looking at uh, other countries, there's like 21, I think it's 21, 22 countries that also list the Sabbath day as Shabbatu, Shabbatta, uh, Shalutu, everything is close to Saturday. <laughs> okay, so that's your days of the weeks. And a little interesting note about the Sabbath. Now, I also found something <clears throat> quite interesting. Uh, I was reading online about the spring April knot. So I thought I'd share this with you. Uh, the spring equal knot is the time the Lord set aside for the first day of the new year because day and night have the same amount of time. So the timing is equal to each other. It's not one greater or one lesser. Um, it's the month of the appointed time that Passover takes place. Uh, in Jubilee 6 and 32, it says, And command that children of Israel, that they observe the years according to this reckoning, 364 days, and these will constitute a complete year, and they shall not disturb its time from its feast, for everything will fall out in them according to their testimony. They will not leave out any day nor disturb any feast. Now that's quite interesting. And you wonder why. Well, in Isaiah 29 and 13 and Matthew 15, 8 and 9, it says the Lord speaks about this as much as the people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear towards me is taught by the precepts of man. And then they go further to show how this actually actually has already taken place and what happened to that person. Uh, those of you who know the story of um, uh, uh, Jacobob, the first king of Israel, <laughs> Yeah, um, you'll find it in 1 Kings 12, 32, and 33. <laughs> well, he, to make a long story short, he uh, created a feast day on the 8th. And the feast day is supposed to be the 7th, so he took it a day after. Um, and the Lord was very specific about the feast days. It wasn't uh you can do it when you want or you can make it any day you want. The Lord set down specific days, times that the feasts were to be done. And this was a commandment for all generations. 
we're going to get into that um, either in the next lesson or the one after that. Okay, so I thought I'd just bring some of these factors to you. I you know I've been promising that I would um, explain what the numbers meant. So I hope you guys had pencil and paper out to take that down. <clears throat> now, I'm going to leave you for a second and we're going to pause to hear from our sponsor. Hello everyone, this is Minister Macmillan. Have you ever thought about uh, creating a program of your own that you'd like to go across the air? Well, there are such vehicles to help you out. Like perhaps you'd like to have audio or maybe record or maybe you want sound effects. Well, Anchor Podcasts is just the vehicle for your program. Try Anchor Podcasts and see. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay, everyone, this is Minister McMillan, and we are back. And we're going to um, pick up where we left off the other day. <clears throat> around for my case here. <clears throat> now we left off at chapter 17. <clears throat> okay, um, the people were murmuring against Moses again, right? Okay, chapter 17 and 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness to send to sign after their journey according to the commandment of the of the Lord and pitched in Raphadim and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? So again, Moses has to listen to the people who the Lord saved out of Egypt, murmuring and whining and carrying on, instead of being glad that they were saved and have learned to address the Lord when they have these problems, of course, they go back to Moses, who's but a man himself, who literally has to go before God to intercede for these people. So, you know, it kind of reminds you of today with people when they have problems, you know, um, 
they complain and whine to everybody except the right person, which is God, right? <clears throat> okay. Uh, and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smokest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rocks in Hobah, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, why do you suppose he did it in the sight of the elders? Well, they are older and they're witnesses and the people believe them. Their trust is put into the elders. <clears throat> okay. Excuse me. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's see. And he called the name, the place, Maza, and Moriabath, Moriabath, because of the chining of the children of Israel, and because they tempt the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, here is a fine example of one of the commandments that the Lord set down. So you understand what the Lord meant by it. You notice here it says, uh, they tempt the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, of course, the Lord is there. They know the Lord is there, but they're being sly, smart. They're trying to be smart by saying this, and God knows exactly what they're doing, and of course, he's not pleased with it. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Raphidim, and Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, and I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with her, went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. So Moses' arm was getting tired. 
so every time he put his arm down, the war would go into the hands of the enemy, <clears throat> and they would start winning. So they had to prop his arm up to keep his arm in the air so that Israel would win. Uh, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hand, and one on one side and the other on the other side. Okay, so they propped his arm, but they held his hand up so it would, so his hand would stay up. <laughs> and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited uh, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a and rehearsed it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it uh, Jehovah Nisi. And he said, Because the Lord have sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek for generation to generation. Okay, so the question is, who is Amalek today? So we're going to look into that because the Lord said he will have war with them for generation to generation. Right? So I always wrote, write these down so that I can pick it up possibly on the next lesson. Okay. So who is Amalek today? <clears throat> All right, let's move on to chapter 18. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and he and her two sons, of which the name of the one was, was Jershom. For he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eleazar. For the God of my father said, he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of the Philistines. Um, one of the interesting things about the uh, the Hebrews then and now, uh, and you, in a lot of countries, you can really find uh, people who are of the Hebrew nation if you pay attention to their names. A lot of them still name their children according to their births, 
what's going on around them at the time. Um, they'll name them according to um, people in the Bible, uh, scriptures, uh, famous men in the scriptures. So a lot of times you can find, uh, find out who those people are just by their names and what their names mean. Okay, uh, let's move on. And the name of the other was Eleazar. For the Lord of my father said he was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his son and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law, Jethro, have come unto thee, and thy wife, and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and did opulence, and kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses took his father-in-law, and all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh. <clears throat> and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the land of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord whom hath delivered you out of the land of the Egyptian and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptian. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in, for in the thing wherein they dwelt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrificed for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Now, we talked about this before. Moses' father-in-law is a priest. Uh... He's uh, he's a Levite. Uh, his story I went over a little while ago. Uh, I think about maybe an episode or two ago. So if you'd like to check in to that, um, it's probably the last episode we spoke about Jethro and Moses when he first started out. And I went into uh, a little about who Jethro was. <clears throat> but for all sake and purposes, um, this just explains to you that he really is. Um, he really is a priest. Uh, and it came to pass on the morn that Moses set to the uh, set to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that, 
he did to the people. He said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning until eve? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Now, the reason why he's saying this to Moses is because not only is he a, a priest, but he's an elder, and he has been through similar things himself. So, you know, he's giving his son-in-law a little encouragement and a little uh, advice helping advice. Hearken now unto my voice, and I will give thee counsel, see? And God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people of God would, that thou mayest bring the cause unto God. And thou shalt teach them audience, uh, audiences and law, and shall show them the way therein. They must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating convectiousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty and rulers of ten. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee. But every small matter they shall judge, so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burdens with thee. So he's basically telling them you need to you need to um divide your work amongst your people people who believe in God as much as you do, who follow the commandments that you trust. Make them leaders so that they can handle the small things and when they have something that's really major, they can bring it to Moses to handle. And that'll, he won't be sitting there all day from morning to evening judging people before the Lord. So that's pretty much what we do today on our jobs. <laughs> you know, you have the big boss, then the boss under him, and the boss under him, <clears throat> and then you have your workers. <clears throat> okay, moreover thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such. Okay, we read that. Let's not read that again. Um, 22. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter 
they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and thou shalt bear the burdens with thee. 23. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place, place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, and rulers of ten. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard, co- the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. So Moses took his advice, which seemed to have worked out very well for him. Okay, let's move into 19. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Ramadan, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shall thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Uh, Stop here for a second. Okay, remember we said uh, where they were before Mount Hor. They were at the mountain of God. Okay? In the Sinai Desert, Hmm. Okay, so now the Lord is speaking to him from the mountain. Ye have seen that what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you an eagle's wing, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my com- and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a particular treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now I want people to really pay a great attention to what he says here. He says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed. That means hear me and keep my covenant. Well, we know what his covenant was. We went over that a few minutes ago. Then ye shall be a particular treasure unto me above all people. So of all the people in the world, the universe, you will be a particular treasure. 
And then he reminds you that all the earth belongs to him and everything in it. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. <clears throat> and Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So right there they have committed themselves. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may bear when I speak with them, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon, upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bonds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go up into take ye take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mountain or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. So, basically, if you're touching the mount, you're touching the Lord, and you're going to die instantaneously, because that's where he's at. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come up to the mount. Now, why do you suppose that would happen? If they touch the mount. Yes, they're touching the Lord. But what else do we know? The Lord is holy and pure. Man is what? <laughs> Man is sinful and spotted. <laughs> so for him to touch the mount, he would die instantaneously. Because of his sin state. You see, he's not pure enough to touch the mount and live. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. Even though they washed their clothes, they're still, they're still stinking in front of him. <laughs> and he said unto the people, be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. In other words, don't have any relationships. No sexual relationships with your wives. And 
And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with the to meet with God. And they stood at <clears throat> and they stood at neither part of the mount. And the Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quake greatly. So you see, this is a fine example here of what we try to tell people. When you see people in the church or someone's receiving the Lord and they fall out in the floor, they start shaking. Remind you of the mountain. The Lord has descended upon the mountain, and the mountain is smoking and shaking. That's what happens to people when they go before the Lord. And the Lord is in their presence. They start shaking. They fall out because they can't, they can't stay under the Lord's presence. His, his strength, his power is too strong for them. And they can't take it. Okay. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down. Charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priest also, which come near to the Lord, sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and, and Aaron with thee. But let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth unto them. So Moses went down, unto the people and spanked unto them. Okay. So you can see, even though Moses said to the people what to do and what not to do, the Lord's letting him know, go down now, because even though you're telling me this, he could see that the people were going to try and break through, some mostly out of curiosity, and some because they're wondering what happened to Moses. 
not realizing they're breaking the law that they just themselves agreed to. Okay, we're going to stop here because we are out of time today. Uh, we're going to pick up in 20. And when we start reading chapter 20 on, we are going to be reading about the commandments of the Lord. So make sure you have your pencil and paper. We're going to have quite a few uh, talks about the various commandments of the Lord. Okay, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you all praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Almighty God, for the word that you have placed in our hearts and our minds. We thank you for the word that went forth today. And we thank you, Almighty God, for continuing to walk with us and teach us and guide us. Father, thank you, O Lord, for all that you're doing for us in our lives. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. That's our program for tonight. Those of you who would like to contact me, you can reach me at macmillan75 gmail.com. That's M C M I L L I O N S 75 gmail.com. Those of you who would maybe like to come on our program, just drop me a note at that email address, or you can reach me at anchor.fm slash L-I-N-D-A-M-C-M-I-L-L-I-A-N dash nine. That's anchor.fm slash Linda McMillian dash nine. Now, if you're interested in donating to our program or sponsoring, there are two buttons below on this page. Just push either one of those buttons and you will receive the information that you are requesting. Okay, thank you everyone. That's our program for tonight. God bless you and good night. Mm -hmm.